Welcome to the Talk It Over podcast. I'm Jelly Frigo. And I'm Maxine Muscatello. Khalees? What's good? That doesn't sound like Khalees. Anyways. So, Jelly, who do we got on today? Today we have Raynell Jones, a middle blocker for the women's volleyball team at the University of Maryland. Last season, Raynell led the NCAA with 1.73 blocks per set. Wow, isn't that crazy? Mind-blowing. Raynell is a grad student, and we're so excited to see what her season upholds her for this um, coming year, and we're so happy to talk to her. Yes, thank you for being on the podcast. Go Terps! Yeah. And today we're here with... Raynell Jones. Yeah. Let's go. Thank you for being here. Yes, yeah, so we appreciate it. So, Raynell, can you just uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, so I'm Raynell. I am from Oxnell, Maryland, and I go to the University of Maryland for volleyball. I am entering my fifth year, just graduated. Happy about that. Congrats. Um, Let's see. I've had a lot going on the past few years, you know, with COVID, with volleyball, but yeah, it's been a great process. Glad to be here. So before you started playing volleyball, you were a basketball player, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was basically a basketball player since birth. Um, my parents had me in the gym dribbling basketballs, shooting, shooting on the hoop off the playground. Um, it was it was hard, honestly. You guys know basketball is aggressive sport, and I wasn't that kind of player. I didn't want anybody to touch me. I didn't want people to be all over my face, breathing on me. I hated it. Um, but I was pretty good at rebounding. That was, I guess, where volleyball kind of came in. Um, both my parents played basketball, so there you knew everyone's playing basketball. Um, my mom played volleyball up until college, so she um, was like, let's just try it out, see how it is. She was my coach. I sucked at it, to be, to be honest with you. I was like, I'm, I'm terrible at this. So I kind of was like, I guess basketball is plan A, volleyball is plan B. Um, I went to high school. And I was varsity freshman year, which was cool. Just, I think because the height, to be completely honest with you. Um, And it was hard, the running. I'm traumatized from it. I never forget, I guess, (laughs) y'all know the running is insane. The conditioning, it's it's insane. But, you know, I still go to like every single women's and men's basketball game. So I'm, I'm still, you know, in the community. What are those games like? Oh my God, the men's games are insane. It's, I always want to sit in the student section. I never actually want to sit, you know, where the donors are because I want to get that full, you know, student experience. The women, sadly, they're amazing. You guys probably know they're amazing at basketball. I'm good friends with them, but, you know, nobody's really at the games, you know, with, <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool, you know, yeah. just seeing all those athletes on and off the court and seeing them be actual goats. Like, it's so yeah. cool. So you're currently in Maryland and your dad played basketball in Maryland. So is there any correlation on why you chose Maryland? Yeah. So um, my dad, who Len Bias, um, the legend Len Bias back in the 80s, um, that was, I guess, a big say with being on the culture over time, ever since I was a kid. I personally don't remember meeting all those big NBA guys that are there now, but I do know that I've been there for a while. My dad gave me the inside scoop and whatnot. My coaches um, that are here now, they knew about the process and they really wanted to make my recruiting season very, you know, special. So that definitely, you know, made it known that they want me here. And you turned down Minnesota, NC State, North Carolina, Virginia. Yeah, I'm, it's surprised y'all know that because um, I was, so I was going to tour Minnesota the day, um, the day after that I committed to Maryland. Um, I guess I was surprised by the amount of people that was like, don't go to Minnesota. I'm like, why? They're like, it's cold. And I'm like, 
okay, yeah, like I'm 14 years old. So I guess, you know, that had a huge effect on, you know, me committing so young. Um, NC State, I love the, the campus. It was absolutely gorgeous. That was definitely my, my best friends, they actually go there. So I do get the non-volleyball side of it now, which is really nice. But yeah, it was just, you know, the Big Ten, they just had so many huge players. And I'm like, I can fit in with them very well. You know, I wanted to, I guess, raise the bar high for my goals. I want to talk, I mentioned COVID. How many games did you guys play during that COVID season? Yeah, so we didn't get our preseason games. So that honestly cut our schedule in half. So we only played about like 20 games. We didn't travel as much. We played, I guess, back-to-back games with the same teams, away teams. Um, yeah, it was it was very, it was a short season, honestly. Did you like still like work out and everything? Yeah, like- so we... Um, with like the ACC and other conferences, everybody started in the fall and they did the regular season, but the big 10, they're like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to have you guys. It was basically switch. So like our spring season, our off season was our fall. And then our in season was spring. It was very mixed up. And then right into 2021, into the fall, we had like both seasons back to back. So it was, it was a lot in the beginning. I just heard you quickly say that you loved rebounding and that like made me think of like blocks and you led the NCAA with 1.73 blocks per set. That's yes. So I don't really know a lot about volleyball. So do you want to explain how you felt when you led the NCAA? I know that's like, yeah. A- yeah. So over time, um, so I do have a position coach and he is like super, super technical about all this stuff. I never understood why until I guess I started looking at stats and um, I saw my name on the Big Ten, I guess, score sheet and who's, you know, up there. I'm like top 10. And then over time, preseason, I get higher in the ranking. Um, and then I see my name pop up on the NCAA ranking. And I'm like, this is real. Like, I didn't know, you know, with blocking that they count it. It's, act- it's actually insane because um, you guys did mention I am the number one in the NCAA. It's so weird to talk about it, but it was, it was pretty cool because um, – it's just so simple to me, I guess. And then, you know, having to shut down an entire play, like mm-hmm. with me and my teammates beside me, because I, it's just, it's just so powerful. As soon as you turn off the net, just the energy in the gym, just the vibe of the whole sport. That's, that's also why I love volleyball. It's just like, it's aggressive in its own way. Y'all got swag, but we we try to find like our well, own you, you, guys, you guys are happening yeah you guys are always something happening. Yeah. yeah we have to because it's just like us in our little our little circle and whatnot yeah. but yeah, yeah it's super cool you guys have like mini cheers yeah too. we do oh it's so it's so corny sometimes but yeah oh i sometimes i'm just sitting there like okay but like <laughs> everyone always wonders what we're saying in the huddle and because no one really i guess understands when we go in it it's the same thing with y'all whenever it's like right before free throw like you guys you know yeah, yeah. yes you talk about it talk what we're gonna do just like encouraging stuff like that so it's, it's very similar so continuing on the blocking so you helped maryland be um big 10 best blocking team for a second straight season mm-hmm. so yeah. like, you are like the face of blocking <laughs> you're the, the blockster <laughs> the blockster i'm gonna have to tweet that that's amazing the blockster, the blockster. that's your new nickname it's tough so you had a 209 total kills from last season okay let's hear how you feel about you know getting all those kills yeah, I honestly want more, you know, as a middle, as our position, it's hard to get set because if the ball is not perfect, then we're probably not going to get set. It's like those very perfect moments, those opportunities I have to, you know, take it when I can make sure I'm, you know, contributing to the team. That's, I guess, the biggest thing. So when I get it, I'm going to make sure I have to do something right with it.
So yeah, my siblings um, who are still so the ones that are taller than me, they're 16. They also play basketball and volleyball, which is super cool. But I'm about to be the shortest out of five. And I'm, I think I'm pretty tall. So. Not even the tallest? No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, my brother, he's 18 now. He, he's a freshman. So proud of him. Um, he's 6'10". So <laughs> yeah. Like, how That's tall is your dad? How tall is your dad? Yeah, my dad is 6'6". Six, six, my mom is 6'2". But six, they six, fed us like five meals a day. We were eating, grubbing, working out all the time. It was I just we're so short. Like, <laughs> no, she's uh, like, she's like poor dad. I am five five. Not Thank that. You. That's not that short. That's not. That's not that short. Thank <laughs> you. Wait, how old is he? He's eighteen. He just turned eighteen. Like what? Six? Like six, I would die to be like at least six feet. Yeah, oh. but it's like you're used to it. You know, when you watch your siblings grow up, it's like the next thing you know, you come home from a season and they're like way taller or way yeah. bigger. It's so insane because that's the same way we were. It's so cool. Yeah. How often do you get to see your family um, while you're in season or at school? Yeah, so they come to majority of my games, my home games. Um, they also drive to Penn State and Rutgers. Um, sometimes my mom likes to fly to like, you know, the big schools and see how it is with their culture and whatnot. But they come to every home game. They are they are so supportive because yeah. I know they're tired from practice. Um, but I actually, even though I'm only 30 minutes away, I don't really go oh. home very much. Um, yeah. It's a quick little drive, but during traffic, it, I'm tired. I don't want to go home. So, yeah. yeah read your your story on the um, athletics page for Maryland the page about you growing up can you just explain that story to me and just tell us yeah so um like I said I'm from Oxon Hill um a lot of people don't know it is it's pretty ghetto there um I it was basically white people were the minority it was mostly Hispanics Filipinos and black people um a lot of people don't know that based off how I talk my parents raised me to talk professional and um and my mom is also Native American but where she's from is Canada so she's also from a a, I guess not very rich area um not middle class either it's lower class yeah so I guess where I've been raised all my life it's been you know it's been difficult seeing people get out of it people get out the hood in general Mm -hmm. um so I feel like when I do go back home and visit those people, it's a very humbling experience, you know, being able to see that where I came from and also connecting with the people because what I learned over time is whenever you go up, you always have to come back down to the people where you, where you started with. So, you know, being able to talk to the people, learn more about them in the community, what's going on, seeing the gentrification, which is sad, but it's true. But, you know, it's, it's really cool, I guess, seeing where I started and then still feeling that support. I think that, you know, that's the backbone of, you know, growing up wherever you came from. That's, that's the people that, you know, believed in you before you believed in yourself. So that's the biggest piece that I got from it. You said you didn't really know how to, you didn't know how to do your hair until you really got to college. Cause like you were straightening your hair a lot, which caused hair damage. And like, I just want to know how that transition went from, you know, the hair damage to, you know, just to your curls and then realizing like, this is me, this is who I want to be. Right. Yeah. So volleyball is a predominantly white sport. So I do understand that. Also, I guess where my dad teaches, it's predominantly white. So I went to church with predominantly white people. That's when I did start straightening my hair and realizing this is hard. So I'm going to just, you know, straighten it. It's just, I felt like I'm going to get rid of the problem. And I realized it's not a problem. It's something that, you know, white people love it. They think that our curly hair and our hair itself is so cool. So I think it was the opposite for me, honestly. When the 
when the white people were like, hey, your hair is really cool. That's when I started to embrace it more. Um, I didn't understand though, I guess the rules of having curly hair. So I did let them touch it. I did let them ask. Oh yeah. Oh, I regret it so much. My mom, she has straight hair. She's Native American, but she has straight hair. Yeah. And she didn't tell me that was wrong. Like, and my dad, who's dark skinned and black with kinky yeah, right. hair, he didn't tell me that either. So uh, I'm like in like thousands of volleyball kids, like mm-hmm. just seeing me sit here in a chair and all these white people are surrounding me, touching my hair. And the black uh, people probably thought I was crazy. That's me. Oh, it was it was so embarrassing. But um I like took my time in high school to learn about it because I was tired of you know the damage and whatnot plus my little sisters they were also going through a weird transition of trying to figure out their curly hair because in the area too everyone has braids perms so so it's like hard because I can't get my extension my box braids because my dad won't let me so I'm gonna figure out how to get you know natural braids instead Mm -hmm. figure out what's the protective hairstyle how can I treat it so yeah yeah, it's been a process no yeah for sure yeah my game day hairstyle is always my natural hair off season braids protective hairstyle it's like talk that I just started doing it's it's different I haven't seen anyone like as an athlete do it so I definitely Mm want to keep up with it I read another story online and um, at a game where you experienced your first form of um, verbal hate from fans at an away game due to kneeling during a national anthem. And um, I read something that like someone says, stand up, you piece of trash. Um, thankfully, I read that like you had support, but um, from like coaches, staff and teammates and um, they apologize. Do you want to like tell me how you felt during that awful situation? Yeah, so um, we were in Nebraska. I've been played in Nebraska three years already. So I knew, you know, how the environment was. You can count how many minorities were on your fingers. Um, that's how scary it was. Um, during the National Anthem, that was my first time kneeling there. Um, and it was Veterans Day weekend. So I knew it was, they already made a statement about the veterans before the National Anthem. And I was like, this isn't going to be good. I just had a feeling. Yeah. Um, and I knelt and that's when I heard, you know, the comments and whatnot from like all different directions. So I wasn't, I didn't want to give a reaction. So I didn't want to like turn around and see who it was. Cause that'll just, you know, rile up the crowd even more. Mm-hmm. Um, then my teammate in front of me, she usually doesn't kneel during the anthem, but she went down after the comments. Um, my coaches behind me, they were saying stuff like positive, um, the Nebraska players across the net, they said something, just a couple of them. The coach, however, he didn't say anything. I was kind of surprised about that. Yeah, they were like, we're sorry about that. We oh, okay. we don't support that. This is not how, you know, our environment is supposed to be. Um, the head coach, he didn't say anything, say much about it because I was kind of surprised because like I said, it's, you know, it's his place, it's environment. It's like, you know, he owns these people. This is his place. So yeah, it's insane. He didn't say much, um, but I made a post about it and I was surprised about all these support. I thought it was going to be all negative and there were negative comments, of course, but I made sure, you know, to keep them up to show people, Hey, y'all, this, this is real. People are actually commenting this stuff under my post. Um, yeah, yeah. So I definitely wanted to, I guess, use that chance, you know, as athlete with our platform, we gotta, we have to use our resources yep. to get our word out. So that was, it's still, you know, like still being talked about today, almost like a year later, but it's a big thing that happened because it's, it's very real. Yeah. And you did it again, like that the next game, I believe I read. Yes. Yes. So I did. I didn't stop. You didn't stop. You kept going, which is great. Um, did hopefully a better reaction. What was it 
a, the same? Yeah, so um, the next day I was actually in Iowa, so it wasn't in Nebraska, but um, I did get, I guess, talked to by a couple of people at Iowa, which is pretty close. So I did get a couple of responses, positive responses, positive, you know, conversations to from all types of people. I thought it was going to be, you know, just minorities, but it was it was all kinds of people. So it did show we are, you know, progressing, but at the same time, in some areas, we're not progressing at all. So that was, I guess, a big take from it. Yeah. I mean, the courage that you have, you know, some people, um, like you said, some a couple of your teammates kneeled with you and the other ones like stood like, I feel like that's just courage and that support, like showing you that she's by your side when people are saying that, you know, scary, like you're about to play a game and you got people yelling negative things that at you and you're just supporting you and where you come from. Yeah, it's definitely, I guess, scary, you know, as a minority, as a black woman in general, like these people can find, they know where I am, you know, they know, they just find me here on campus. And it's scary because if like Martin Luther King, for example, he was just chilling at his hotel and somebody took him out, you know, it's like, it's so real because especially now with, um, you know, gun violence and all these mass shootings, it's like, like, I, I we need to be safe. It's like, scary. So unpredictable yeah. Like, you know, yeah. So like to continue on like um, this conversation, I read something that said good people reminded you that if you didn't want to sit down and explain why Black Lives um, Matter movement and kneeling during the national anthem are so important, you didn't have to. But um, you said that you're honored to and want to be the one who has to, who has these uncomfortable conversations with people, which is. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what I from that, um, when I was talking to a lot of minorities, they were questioning me why I was being the voice, why I was, I guess, educating people when they can educate themselves. And some people, are, they're just plain ignorant. They just don't know how to, you know, educate themselves. They don't know how to have those conversations. They don't even know where to start. So it was a little difficult to, I guess, realize that I am helping people by, well, I'm hurting people by not letting them know you can do this on your own. Yeah. Um, but I also realized that they don't know where to start. And I guess I do want to be that, you know, familiar face that's able to be able to be on both sides to tell them the truth and the ugly truth, but in an educational way. So um, I just had a class about James Baldwin and he was like the only black guy on this TV show and they were criticizing him to his face. And I never had, I want that experience. I want to like be that. confronted by someone have conversations with like trump supporters while i'm on the democratic side or the liberal side in general and it's just seeing i guess their perspective so i have i guess had a couple conversations just i'm like hey i'm curious i want to know i haven't had many of those experiences back um i guess with maryland it's been really nice when it comes to hey like why do you do braids stuff like that talk about hair but other times the microaggressions are real um, when it comes from some people at Maryland, it's hard to, I guess, because they're, they're superior than you. So it's really hard to, you know, put them in their place. Meanwhile, yeah. because your teammates, they understand, like, if you cross that line, I'm going to, you know, yes. put you in your place. So, yeah, and I guess. That's so personal when we're like, it's just sticking up for yourself. It's just sticking yeah. up for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's always trying to put labels on someone, but really it's just, you know, simple, simple facts. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be, you know, the person, hopefully more in the future that people can come to me and I can come to them and, be, you know, use my voice to use, you know, us help each other. Yeah. 
you just said like you want people to come to you, you want to come to them. Do you have a message for young athletes, um, women or men that like are going through that stuff and don't know how to really speak up for themselves? Yeah, I guess you have to start small. You have to start in your in your circle and then you work your way out. So I started by talking to my parents and my siblings about it and then working on talking to my teammates and then working on talking to my you know coaches. So starting off small, having those comfortable conversations, the uncomfortable conversations are really big. Final question. I know this NIL stuff is getting, you know, very popular now since they got athletes can um, get paid. So do you have any NIL deals? Yeah, um, I've been collecting some over the time. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, so right now I am a brand ambassador for Reflections Image Center. They're located in Virginia um, and they do laser hair removal. They do treatment with your face. So my face is a little shiny because I just went yesterday. Okay, you know, but... okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's nice. It's a nice deal. Um, I got laser in my armpits because, you know, as an athlete, shaving and sweating all the time, it's a hassle. So that was, it was really nice. Get her on it. This is the best. <laughs> I sweat it. bad. And then yeah. Bad. It's not good. It's, no, yeah. I just started sweating a lot for some reason. And I'm just like, this is weird. So, yeah, yeah I got the laser. I got my teammates hooked up um, with that. So, I definitely want to, you know, spread the love to all the athletes that's around me. Um, I'm also working with Vintage Brand. They are doing merchandise. So, has right now on it, the edge that I like to it. Um, I also work with Spreadshop um they did a whole shirt with me kneeling um and they took a picture of it and then who else am I working with I'm working with transcend your game agency they are just hooking me up with you know deals and whatnot tiny ones but you know like I said working my way up and then, yeah you gotta start small exactly. to get big exactly yeah awesome right now thank you so much for being on this podcast we really appreciate it and just we loved hearing your story thank yeah you. thank you for having me the conversation has been amazing absolutely awesome